0: Was in. I woke up this morning with the sundown
1: shining in.
2: Oh. Where's the money, Lebowski?
0: Where's the fing money, hey oh, It's, uh. Oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag within 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark. And we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Okay, you know you guys aren't privy to all the news, so uh, you know that's what you uh that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate all Nazis. Yeah, hey, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling?
3: I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do.
0: There's just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f*** are you talking about?
3: Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sun down
4: more well, back Stocks and I'm Tom Howley. this Mr. Matt Weber on the board. SP futures up 24, Dow futures up 200, NASDAQ futures up 72. Stocks futures reverse after Pfizer says three vaccine doses neutralize Omicron. You got the guy here in Chicago who has it, man. He seems to have uh, uh, had it, and uh, he's been had a booster, and he had both of them, right? So, uh, so was it neutralized? Uh, what do they mean? By, I guess what what do we mean by this neutralized now? Is it, <laughs> what are we doing? Why, why? I'm not so sure that we we need to have the people who are, who are buying the crap from making policy. Just there's there's some there's some line here that to me is being crossed, I don't know, I don't know what it is. I mean I I can't tell you where the line on. Anyway, hi Kevin, how are you?
1: Good. Yeah, um, I, I, we need. To, we didn't name for that line that's getting crossed.
4: Um, um, and, it's,
1: and it's it's got to incorporate Fauci in it somewhere.
4: Uh, yeah, I don't know.
1: The Fauci no line or something there, like there's that. There's something. Don't
4: we don't. <laughs> there, there, there's there's. Uh, I don't know if it's levels of principle that you just kind of shake your head. I mean, uh, it, it, it's clear to me that. Well, it's not clear. It, it appears to well, be. Well,
1: here, here 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 it is, Tom. Is the, here's the question is. Uh, how many degrees away from uh um, uh from from abs- absolute yelling is that line yeah so we'll we'll make Janet yell the scale and uh you know is it is it two degrees from absolute yelling or what
4: i don't i uh um, the issue- well the issue as you know i continue to have <laughs> Out of all the issues i have um I, I the line the line seems to be keeping moving devin i it, it, it keeps moving. I just, I know when we're talking about a bunch of, you know, most people think, and they're wrong, and they think about a bunch of traders being scumbags, which they might have been in individual life, but in their business, I never saw a more honest organization than the people on the CBOE. And, re, and the reason why is because everybody was convinced that in order for our business to do anything, it had to be perceived, it had to be actually straight for people that you couldn't cheat the client and not have it basically bite you in the ass in the end it wasn't like individual people i guess we're all that honest or anything like that i mean i would never accuse them of that but and, and we used to i was a chairman of a committee from god i was an early chairman i mean uh i got on a couple of committees and, and i was a vice chair of the membership committee for two years and then as soon as uh bill flourish became uh the vice chairman, he wanted me as the chairman of it because he had a bunch of stuff he wanted done, figured I could do it. And, uh, I met some, that's where I first met Dave Scatina, who does the, uh, well, I didn't first meet him, he lived down the block, but I mean, I realized what a great committee person he was. I'd give him some of the hardest cases, and, and, uh, you know, everybody, you know, in, enjoyed themselves because they were doing something good. I really think so. And then I became other spots, other committee, but you never, you never had any, the, the point, but if the, one of the hard and fast rules was, if the issue involved your pit, you know, because there are a bunch of different pits in the floor, most people didn't go from one to the other, if it involved your pit, or if you had a, you know, skin in the game, you A, didn't vote, and if, and if you really had skin in the game, you had your ass tossed out in the hallway. And, uh, I, I eventually became chairman of the DPM committee, which is a, when everything, everything guys became specialists, there was somebody who had to manage that, and, and Bill, to his credit, and to my chagrin, put me in that spot, um, really for two reasons. Is, is A, I had gotten a reputation as a, as a fair and honest guy. But the real reason was, I traded in the OEX. So the fights between the people in the crowd the DPM, I had no part of. And, and everybody recognized that. And I don't, I don't think I could have done that job. I think I did a pretty good job. I mean, somebody might have done better, but, I could never have have sat there, Kevin, with basically skin in the game on one side or the other. If I was, you know, if I had, if I was in one of those crowds where I didn't like the DPM or if I was a DPM. So, Bill made sure that there was, there was never any backbiting of who's this guy, who's the chairman. You know, he's biased. And my buddy Dr. J was the first DPM to actually get on that committee. And I'm saying, I had his ass in the hallway. Probably I let him debate, but he never voted. And all of a sudden, like two years later, I'm the chairman, and there's about five guys on there that are from the DPMs. And I go, "Hey guys, you know, the hallway is all yours." And they're, "What do you mean? That's why my boss wanted me on this committee to to, to influence stuff for us." And I'm going, "No, it's not the way it works." I, but you know what?
1: Not clear on the concept of how this works. But
4: you know what? I think if I were to bring my principles there now, they they would think I'm the one who's nuts. I mean, that, what are you talking about that's why i'm here i'm here to vote my own issue right <laughs> um
1: i you know i don't know. so so back to the uh the the beginning when you when you were talking about the um uh, the virus and and so on the the uh, atlantic has come up with a new term they ran an article this week called uh is it safe to hang with the unboosted so there's a new a new degree of unclean. There's the unvaccinated, but then there's another unclean group called the uh, the unboosted. They they got so mocked for it that they changed the headline.
4: Well, it it's, it seems to me, and, and actually Fauci mentioned it the other day, uh, that w- we the the big guy upstairs might finally have been tired of looking at us with this with this virus. And uh, I've read some stuff from the lady of South Africa. Who's the first person to identify it? Well, she heads the group down there, to, and and she's convinced that uh, this is a, a much milder strain, much more infectious, but much milder. A lot of people don't even get the the fever; they just get almost like it's almost like a regular cold, running nose and all that stuff. And it nobody is that sick. And it appears when you're when you're over it, you have a boot. You have the immunity to all the different variants because it's basically it's enough of the of the regular vac the regular virus that you'll then be like if you had it you won't you won't get the, the the what's the other one the delta variant or the a variant or anything like that yeah God, so I, if that's the case we should have people run and get it forget if no it's well, t- you know, t- yeah i
1: was going to say there's a business opportunity there i would be perfectly willing to go get it and then hang with anybody for well you know, uh, you know I, I i'm not expensive i only charge like 50 bucks an hour
4: well i had a uh, uh, a couple of adult brothers, you know, fifty
1: bucks an hour. Hang with me for the day. Uh, also in a group, you know, we'll, uh, you know, and, and uh, uh, heck, I'll buy the beer.
4: Well, my uh, my attorney buddy, I, I once in all the cocktail with, uh, learning about what's going on in the city. Uh, he he said, yeah, my daughters. He's got three daughters. Got to talk about Irish, huh? Three daughters that within like four years of marriage, they all have like four kids. He's got like he's got like. Twelve grandkids, and he's and he's happy as a clam, you know. But one's one's cuter than the next, and his, his one daughter goes, God, I hope, I wish we just all get it. <laughs> this new variant, <laughs> I wouldn't have to worry about it You're these stupid bastards, <laughs> you know. I mean, we might. We, there's a chance we could have really lucked out here, but but that's what that's what these things do. If you know, I mean, that's what, what the uh, the one from 1918. Now, what, is e- evolution,
1: about? evolution is true. Are yeah. you kidding me?
4: Yeah, but I mean, it's. But I, I wonder. Is it, is it possible, if, if we really luck out here, and again, it's a huge if, Um if we really luck out here, and this thing has gone to where this thing is gonna beat up on the Delta variant and all the rest of them, and it's much easier, and then once you have it, you're, you're good to go for a long time. Uh, if we luck out here, can we, can any of these people change their policy, or are they just, or, or are they just gonna be, you know, stuck, stuck in their policy, no matter what? I mean, we, we, we still gonna be making people get, Vaccines yeah, that we're so two your,
1: your question is, if, if we cross the Rubicon here and, uh, uh, and there's no looking back, um, that there's going to be a certain, uh, th- this, this new intrusiveness, this new degree of intrusiveness uh, that we have, is it going to be lasting? And I will not be surprised if it is. I've, I've told you this before, and I've said this on the air. This is going to be how we deal with climate change going to be the climate change aden- agenda. It's an emergency. We have to do these things, and we will be ordered to do them.
4: Um. Well, some parts of we well, telling will... I don't know. That's uh, the way it's going to be. I don't... Do you think there's going to be no pushback? Or once it gets down the road, you push know. back? You never I, I don't
1: know, because I'm amazed at the lack of pushback now. You know, I, I was I was reading some commentary yesterday from people, uh, you know, after the Biden administration's uh, um, contractor's mad, mandate got slapped down by a, a court and, and, and so they're saying well maybe they could do it this way See, you know people aren't you, people are so bought into this uh, intrusiveness and at, at least a, a significant number of them that they're just saying well we have to try it a different way then um, not you know not recognizing that when you get about the fifth court uh, decision against you that you probably better give it up
4: well, I mean, you got to change the court then, because you know you're right. Everybody's right now. Nobody ever thinks they're. they're it, it is
1: wonderful to be to be right, you know. Uh-huh. And and look, I I you know I I know that feeling because I am I actually am right, and the rest oh, you of the I, I listen understand. to me. But uh um uh, but there's a lot of people that uh you know that aren't as right as I am.
4: Oh yeah, well, everybody's you know <laughs> got this off. <laughs> I, I uh my my uh, my nephew happens to be you know somewhat opinionated, uh and and, and I uh. My, of course, my i if I want to rub somebody the wrong way, I'm actually pretty good at it, which I don't really like to do very much, but sometimes you have to do that with your nephew, <laughs> and you say stuff like gee, you know if if you're going to be that uh, you know overbearing on your opinions, you probably should do a little more research <laughs> it's, it's it's kind of a nice thing to say to somebody, but again it's not very much very much of a nice thing, but I said, you know just remember you know, I'm a lot older than you. And it's it's astounding to me how much how many times I've thought one way for a long time, and all of a sudden, the more I really dig into it, I was really wrong, you know. And you, that's why you you can't be so dogmatic about stuff because you, you're. I, I, I don't th- you are i do not you do somehow there's talk about a fine line. There's a fine line between flip flopping and evolving. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, and, and I'm not so sure what that what that is either. But but, in the face of new information, I think you're supposed to change change your mind right i mean uh, the first example I ran into that was when I came to the trading floor way back the old The, the old folks if anybody is listening remember a guy named uh, uh, Joe Granville when I first started joe granville was the uh, he was the absolute guru uh, he actually had a technical, technically uh, a technical uh Analysis system that was actually pretty good, and one of my clients used to use it, and he down you know, I don't know downloaded. It. I don't know if he could download in those days, but he he used it somehow, and it was it was pretty good, right? But anyway, the uh, but Joe was, you know, inter- interest rates were fifteen percent, and you couldn't very well. Uh, I mean, there's there's no way stock was going to go up at that level, right? It just no matter what, if if you could put your money in the bank and get twelve or thirteen percent risk-free, you sure is bleep, weren't about to go, maybe, there, there obviously came a time, you know, in, in August of 82, where if you'd have been at a pack cocktail party with your wine and your pinky up in the air and said, you know guys, tomorrow morning I'm going to go find my mutual fund guy who's probably painting houses somewhere, and I'm going to put my money in the stock market, you'd have been tossed out of that that party, you'd have been able to say, what's with this moron? Well, it turns out there was a time there where you, you did want to do that when interest rates started coming down. You didn't get hurt for years. I mean, you still were over 10% for a while. But, uh, I mean, you, you ground, you, you bought the, the Dow basically at 800. You know, of course the Dow stocks were a lot different than they are now, so you gotta be careful with that. But still, if you hung in there with the Dow or the S&P, you, you, you know, you've done nothing but not look back for God knows how long. And, it, but, it, but Joe, he was, he was so into the, the, you know, the market sucks and, you know, every, every, his newsletter, every morning, the top, big tip, sell all stocks. This went on for, God, Kevin, I don't know how many percent, percentage points in it, to finally, when the interest rates keep, were going down, like every four months they'd be down, it was just obvious, you know, it wasn't obvious we were going up the next day or anything like that, but it, it was, it was clearly obvious that, 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 that the tone has changed. And, and I, and I, you know, all the guys that come on TV every day, and talk about, you know, buy this dip, buy that, the market's... One of these days, if in, these interest rates actually do start to go up, and I bet they will, I'll bet we end up with a new Fed chairman someday, because the hue and cry is going to be so bad from regular people, I, I, and this stuff just going up on them, and they're not, nobody, and they're not getting a raise, uh, that it's going to be a... I think it's going to be the single biggest issue in this midterm election. And and And, uh, and I think they're going to have to turn this bus around. And they're going to have to realize that they're the ones that are doing it. And when that happens, you're, you're, you're just, I, I can't, like uh, DocuSign last week, And went from 100 times earnings to 60. Now, I, I will not, I will never say, either, because I don't know, um, so I certainly wouldn't say in the air, plus I'm a registered guy, I will never say that, oh, you got a short DocuSign. I'm not going to say that, because DocuSign, two years from now, might, might, Going to other areas where they make a bunch of dough. there's nothing to do with signing documents, so you don't but I will say this that if interest rates are four percent there 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 will be few and far between companies trading at one hundred times earnings. there might be some some new idea that is is growing you know doubling every month it's one hundred times earnings. I get it there's going to be somebody, but there there's not going to be a slew of places just hanging around at that price. If people can get four percent risk free, I'm, I'm, I'm just that you can guarantee now which companies they are. They, I wish I could. I wish I could tell you that. I mean, but uh, well, you know what I'm saying. It, it, it's just a difference in pricing. Just saying.
1: Gotcha. Hey, no, I got a no, no argument for me.
4: Hey, I have a uh, a question for you. You mavens and you guys are mavens. This is this quora digest, and here's a guy. Now, uh, somebody asked a question. He answered a question. You asked a question. And there's all kinds of little questions in here. Um, if it were possible to assemble a baseball team comprised of the greatest players of all time at their peak, uh, how many games would they win in a 162-game season against a group of regular schmucks?
1: In other words, what's the wins-bub replacement for that team?
4: Uh, yeah. And I'm, I'm reading uh, this you, stuff and I'm uh, going... Collectively? On. Well, I'm sa- first, of all, first of all, who are the guys? Uh, and I'm sitting here, and, I, and I'm thinking, I'm reading this thing at home, and my two mavens, Kevin and Matt Weber, are not here to talk about. the uh, Now, who the hell? Of course, this guy says, and he's got in parentheses, Ruth in right field, maze in center field, Bonds in left field, bench at catcher, etc. How many games do they win in a 162-game season against a group of regular teams? says, let's start with the runs created and look for the best seasons by position, Best season by position for one, one year. Now the question is, who are these guys? And, uh, boy, I tell you what, I would not have guessed any of these names. In the years that it happened.
1: Okay, but what, how, how are they measuring runs created? Is it uh, uh plus driven in or what? I
4: I, 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 this is what you guys are supposed to know. There's, uh.
1: Score plus driven in minus home runs. But no, the there's MC some, some, or
4: some, uh, uh, some formula. You can tell people's best years anyway, but he, here's the guys. Uh, catcher Mike Piazza. Well, the number comes out to one f- is in the. There's a number of value. Mike Piazza, 1997. His number is 150. Uh, first, I
1: can see Piazza be uh, you know being at that level. He really for a few years he was, but he was never a great catcher.
4: So no, so well this is this has, this is how many runs is this team going to score? Then they're going to assume an average pitching staff. And they're look to see how much a regular team scores. It's, it's you know it's 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 just kind of an interesting thing. I I just couldn't believe the lineup he came up with. Uh, first base, let's, let's hear it. First base, Lou Gehrig, nineteen twenty seven, with a two hundred eight. Okay. Second base, Rogers Hornsby, nineteen twenty two, with a two hundred two. Third base, this is a toss up. Either a Rad two thousand and seven with a one hundred sixty six. Or Chipper Jones, 1999 with a 165. I I would just have assumed that would have been Mike Schmidt, but evidently not. Shortstop, uh, Derek Jeter, 1999 with a 158. Left field, uh, here's another toss-up. Barry Bonds, 2001-230. Or Roof, 1921-229. Center fielder, you will not guess. You will not guess. Hack Wilson, 1930-192, and in parentheses, bet you didn't see that one coming.
1: Uh, well I, I, actually I I'm I'm not I'm not shocked at that I'm I'm surprised that I didn't think he was a center fielder
4: um yeah, when you hear about people, he somebody, somebody, somebody drunk all the time, you wouldn't necessarily think they were to the center fielder, but I guess he was.
1: Yeah, he, but but it, you know, that's the other thing is if he was drunk all the time, he might have wandered into center field by accident. A lot. True. <laughs> so we'll give it to
4: him. Manny, Manny does that now. That he's playing left. He goes out to his old home in center after a couple of beers. You know, see him do that.
3: The world's a lot different in left field. I can tell you. I much prefer center.
4: Yeah, I think it's, it is. made. some people are really good at one. I much prefer
3: people. the infield because I like talking to people during the game. Oh, good. A uh, Right
4: fielder, Chuck Klein. Who the hell is Chuck Klein? 1930, 193, or that one. You didn't see that one coming. And DH, Chicago, we could probably know this. Frank Thomas, 2000, 163. You had an unbelievable year in 2000. But this is, if we could estimate that that team would score, a, that scheme would score 1,662 runs, obliterating the current record of 1,067 held by the 1931 Yankees. And that was 154-game season. This is pitching is tougher to estimate, so we'll, we'll figure out the pitching staff. The average number of, uh, of runs a pitching staff gives up in 2019 was 782. So these guys would these they think these guys would have an 819 winning percentage, but they would score they would score over double the runs the other guys scored. That's pretty wow. interesting now the question is would you actually
1: Yeah, that, it, it, is, it is kind of uh, cool to think about it that way and then if you start putting together the pitching staff you know I don't know where you'd go but they'd probably just take everybody out of
4: 1968 well you had you had to have Koufax in 67 where he was 20 and 5 and uh, what, did, what did Yogi say he was in a conversation with Maury Wills and he goes I understand how he won the 20 I understand how he lost the 5 and Maury Wills yeah. said he didn't lose the 5 we did or something along those makes lines makes sense yeah so anyway, I think we'd a the middle of sports to throw in here with all this other crazy stuff, cause yesterday I, uh, you know, this thing in Chicago is getting more and more bizarre with the violence, uh, yesterday I'm listening and they, some guy, now I don't know, they didn't say, it was some school that I never heard, it was in the near west side, Um so it could be, you know, could be any, I don't, I don't know if it was black, Hispanic, or white, uh, um, apparently a guy comes by in a car when school's letting out, shoots this guy, then gets out of the car and finishes him off, like execution style, hops back in the car, like in front of people. Kevin, we're we're entering a whole different world here that, uh, I don't know. Is is is, is that person rehabable? I mean, I'm, my Catholic upbringing says you don't ever give up on anybody, but boy, it's pretty close. Well, I, I don't oh, know.
1: I, I, look, I think evil exists. And, um, you know, I, I, what do you do about it? I don't know. You know, we, it's your Catholic upbringing say this one needs an exorcism.
4: Um, I don't know, <coughs> but you know, I've been i been kind of toying with all these. And my buddies, my lawyer buddies and judge buddies, tell me that the the whole thing is going to skew, and that these are young, unsupervised gangs of however many people want to be in their current cur- their group, and they do fight with each other over turf, but they just head other places and do stuff and grab cars and grab purses and they're younger, and I'm, I'm wondering, Kevin. We, somebody needs to think outside the box. We need to find a, you know, a place where we had a jail here that we closed or something. And and if you get a gang like that, you ship them out there and you hold them for a while and you say, okay, where are you? Are you going to school? Do you have a family? And try and figure out what the hell's going on. But you don't you don't put them in the same jail as their homies or just all let them go. Uh, the next day. I, uh, somehow or other, we have to try something different, and I'm not, I'm not talking about. Well, it,
1: you know. I mean, right now the hot topic is, uh, you know, is is all the bail reforms that we've seen, and the the you know the the inability to hold people, which is what was behind the uh, um, the Waukesha mass murder. Um, so uh, you know, you, you, you've already seen that, but uh, there there are other examples. I you know, I was just listening to the one yesterday and this is another one out of Wisconsin where um, a, a guy got uh, four OWIs in two day, or in three in a three day time frame and was released on every one uh, the fourth one uh, they actually uh, he, he was pulled over on the side of the road passed out with a needle still stuck in his arm um, and uh, in, the, in his running car and they, they just let him out and guess what happened the fifth time
4: well, he must have banged he into somebody driving the
1: wrong way on the interstate and uh, and managed to he didn't kill anyone thankfully but he severely injured a uh, a driver that he hit in oncoming traffic so there there are just there are consequences to the stupid ass things that we do um and uh, and that you know that's the biggest problem is we got we got people who insist on doing things that clearly don't work, and we, we were talking about it earlier in the context of uh, uh, COVID. But there's all kinds of things, and if it, it clearly doesn't work, it clearly causes damage. And we insist on continuing to do it anyway uh, because it's an ideology, and people don't let go of ideology very easily.
4: Well, you know, the way uh, the way they let go about it is if something happens to them. I mean, how many? I mean, Audrey. Well, I get, one, 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 one of her friends sends me this. Uh, you know, it's it's. Know, some of the right wing stuff they sent I can look at it it's not very well researched, but this was kind of funny it was a it was a, a kind of a short list of of the people who are are pushing to defund the police and how many of them have their own personal bodyguards <laughs>
1: <laughs>
4: you know, we're talking about, is that about as hypocritical as you can get, or is it just me i mean
1: I, yeah, it clearly is yeah I, 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 well, or or that uh, um, you know that push against uh, against uh, gun ownership. And not only do they have their own bodyguards, but their bodyguards are armed.
4: Oh yeah. SP futures up fourteen, Nancy Futures up fifty-three. We'll see if we can make it three big days in a row. Yesterday was sure a huge day. Be right back, Stax and Jacks.
0: How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox.
4: Well, no I'm Mr. Mayor Weber on the board. SP Futures up fourteen seventy five. We were down for a bit, and then the uh, the Pfizer. I'm reading this article right here, and they are saying that the booster now protects um, as well as the first two shots did against the other one. Am I? I don't know, I don't. I don't. I'm no biologist, but I don't think the booster is changed. Uh, it's not. It's not, it's not. pointed towards this variant. I don't think. Maybe it is. I don't. I don't think it is. Nasdaq futures up fifty three. I think it's just more of the same of the first two. But Dow futures up ninety two. We're in Europe. We've got again. Everybody was up huge yesterday. We'll through that in a minute. Next down fifty two point three percent. FTSE up eighteen. Are up again today. Point two percent. Kakaron down five. Call that flat. We're in Asia. We've got Nikkei up four hundred five. One point four percent. Shanghai up forty two. One point two percent guys are playing a little catch up here, obviously. Hang Sang up 13. These guys have been, they've been down. They were up, uh, yesterday, but they have been down more than the rest lately. These guys have not been in lockstep. Today they are. They're all up. Yesterday, just a way of review. Dow up 492, but the S&P was up 95. That's 2%. That's a big, big day in the S&P. NASDAQ up 461. That's 3%. And The Russell was up 52.3%. Well, we're, we we we've pretty much eaten up all the, all the, uh, Losses of the last month, and I think we're that kind of where we started it from when all of the sell-off started. So, we're closer to new highs, but we didn't make any new highs, I don't believe. Uh, bonds. Bonds still cannot get back up to the 165 where they were, despite the Fed claiming that they're gonna do this taper. I don't, I don't believe them for a second. Uh, it's 1.47, so unchanged. The Bund minus .37, unchanged. These things would not be at these levels if these guys were actually doing something. Uh, Japan positive .05, unchanged. Oil. Well, Uh, Up down 3 cents, 72.02, so bounced hard off that 62, I'm sorry, 64, 65 low, somewhere in there, but still doesn't look like it's going back to 85. Brent up 17 cents, 75.61, natural gas up 12 cents, 383, and our meteorologist, Mr. Matt Weber, is going to let us know why. I read yesterday it's down on, on warm weather. I don't see this thing down 40%. I don't think it's that warm, but there's some reason why it's off six bucks. Our Bob up two cents 212. we've got gold up of a single dollar 1785 it's been 1785 plus or minus 10 for weeks now it seems silver down 16 cents 22.32 as it continues to move violently between 22 and 24 and then never breaks out. Uh, copper unchanged 434 and we have Bitcoin down 1400 it'll again under 50,000 dollars 49000 what do you have for us? Trevi Weather Sports.
3: 37 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. We're off to a quiet start here on a Wednesday morning. No issues on the Edens or Kennedy. A little bit of red on the Kennedy near O'Hare, but nothing affecting your commute in or out of downtown. Eisenhower looking good. Same for the Stevenson. Southside Expressways are all quiet, as is Lakeshore Drive. Only crash in the area is out in the western suburbs. Route 53 at West 22nd Street, there is an accident. But everything else is all quiet out there. Weather today, it will be uh, partly cloudy, a high of 35, which obviously isn't that warm, but it's a lot warmer than yesterday, so it'll feel like a heat wave after the uh, lustery, cold wind chills in the teens we had all day yesterday. Uh, So we'll see some sunshine and a high of 35 today. Right now it's overcast and 28 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, partly cloudy skies with a high of 70. Right now it's clear and 58. In sports, Blackhawks and Rangers were tied 2-2, and then the Rangers erupted for four goals to pull away and blow out the Hawks at the UC last night. Six to two was the final in that one. Coyotes were off. Uh, Bulls and Suns were off as well. Bulls are back in action tonight in Cleveland. The shorthanded Bulls will take on the Cavs at 6 p.m. Central Time. That's your tip for tonight. Uh, Bulls uh, right up at the top of the Eastern Conference, along with the Brooklyn Nets, uh, best record in the East. College hoops. Uh, Dupaul blew out, or DePaul blew out Duquesne. Say that. Three times fast, uh, eighty-seven to sixty-seven. DePaul is uh, having a good start under their first-year head coach. Loyola played Roosevelt University and obviously had no problem with those guys uh, blowing them out, eighty-eight to forty-nine. Chief, he, uh, what is you guys?
4: Uh, obviously, are, are my are, 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 you man, you know the man too. But buddy Bill is a he's a big Marquette guy because he went there. He went there to play football and all things. And then when he when he scrubbed the football team, he he. Uh, he he stayed and he boxed for him, so he kept his scholarship. Anyway, but he Marquette lost so many people in the transfer portal. Kevin, that they if he has, they have ten freshmen. Can you can you replace everybody? They fired
3: their coach. Uh, I'll take your word for it. Yeah, they fired their coach. Steve Wojciechowski was uh, their coach, who was the you know longtime Coach K assistant at Duke and player at Duke, and then his first you know big job he he took at Marquette and he made some noise with some some good recruits and uh some high expectations and then just kind of flamed out after four or five years and so they brought they made a big splashy hire and brought in Shaka Smart who uh is originally from Milwaukee and uh who of course was at VCU and then was at Texas and uh at Texas he was good not great and the expectations are uh, are high there and so he jumped at the opportunity and came to Marquette and a lot of the players left because uh, new coaching change, uh, opportunity to transfer without penalty, so on and so forth. And so he's sort of starting with a fresh slate. Uh, but they've surprised some people. They beat Illinois earlier this year. They had another good win, as well. And uh, they look like they're going to be a, a bubble team that has a chance to make the tournament in Smart's first year.
4: Well, Bill says that they uh, they have amazing athleticism. These nobody can shoot. You know, freshmen a lot of them can't. But I just my I guess my question to you guys. If you lose all these people for whatever reason, coaching change or transfer portal or whatever, can you, there's no limit. If, if, if the maximum is 15 scholarships and you lose all 15 guys, you can, you can bring in 15 guys this year, right, Kevin? Oh st- yeah,
1: you can, you can fill them up. And with the new rule on transfers, um, it's not just grad transfers that don't have to sit now. You get a one time, uh, don't, uh, you know, no need to, uh, sit out. Um, transfer, so you, you can you can put your team back together pretty quickly.
4: Um, when you say that, that because of COVID or
1: no, it's a rule change that they made last spring. All
4: right, so everybody gets been talking go? about it for years. Everybody gets to go without without uh,
1: sitting out a year, without sitting out for one year, one time. Second time you got to sit.
4: Well, how many times are you going to transfer? One should be enough, you would think.
1: Uh, there are the occasional players who transfer two times three times i've seen well when we were you when we hey, were, when we you were know, young they're, 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 it's usually um, not a good story but, um, but but it happens so the same thing in football so what they're no. saying is basically that they don't want you to just transfer every year but, but they are saying look if you if you want to move on you should be able to move on whether that's because you're behind somebody the coach changed you don't fit in um, you know, I've seen situations where just the coach's style of dealing with the players doesn't sit well with somebody. You know, every, Everybody needs a different a different management style sometimes.
4: Well, I mean, I'm I'm all for that. I just I just don't want the recruiting going on if while people are students. Some places. I mean, I think the last thing
3: you want. Well,
1: that's that's what you're supposed to accomplish with the transfer portal. That you put your name in it. It brings all this above board. So is is is. You know, does that mean nothing goes on behind the scenes? Oh, of course not. But well, in our, in our day... But this
4: this was an attempt to bring all of that up to the, uh, you know, uh, above the table. So, but, but in our day, you... I'm talking football now. I think the numbers were, Kevin, that you could have 100 people on scholarship and you could only bring in 30 people per year or something along them. Now, obviously, those numbers have right, changed. Right now, it's 25 and 85. But if... But if all 85 walk one year, they don't, the coach changes or there's a COVID thing and everybody finds, uh, yeah. you gotta go to a place with nice. With Brian Kelly as your coach, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Uh, can, now all of a sudden you got nobody, can you, can you bring in 85 and fill it up? Or do the 25 still apply?
1: Uh, I suspect the 25 still applies.
4: Well, obviously a good it doesn't. question,
1: come. but uh, you know, but it, it's a hypothetical question. There's a lot of guys that aren't leaving.
4: Well, but obviously, but to, I start out with this question you, about Marquette. First of all,
1: your best sophomores aren't going anywhere.
4: Well, what I'm saying is, in, obviously, in Marquette's case, it appears they have ten freshmen on all rides. So, obviously, that's not three per year or four. Or maybe basketball's different. Because people leave I don't know what
1: it. to tell you. I'd have to look into the Marquette situation and learn more about it. Because I... 10 freshmen seems uh, almost impossible considering that they, uh, um, that they would have um, uh, that they, they would have changed coaches after the signing period
4: um, all right well you
3: know it could be maybe it's never
4: but even going back to Michigan uh, Well, I'm,
3: I have the roster they have six true freshmen which is a lot at Marquette they also have a bunch of redshirt freshmen and redshirt sophomores okay. that, that have set out a year uh, but they have six true freshmen. Just to be clear, right? So, if they yeah, get all be the interested th- on those red-shirted
1: guys, were they there last year, or um, uh, or did they uh, transfer after their fresh after not playing their first year?
3: Yeah, somewhere g- else. Good question. But it and looks if like they
1: didn't play somewhere else, I, I'm not guessing that they're really great players. They're they're you know they need bodies too. You know, Marquette needs bodies. I don't think Marquette has a half bad team though. So
3: um. yeah. So so chief is not incorrect when saying they have ten freshmen, but four of those ten freshmen are redshirt freshmen, so they're not freshman students. Yeah, they're I hate that whole term,
1: redshirt freshman, redshirt sophomore. I, I think it tends to cloud the, you know, it, it doesn't clarify. It makes it less clear yeah. as to what we're looking Well, about. what it
4: means is he's a sophomore because he didn't play last year, so he's a freshman eligibility, Right, correct? so
1: he's a sophomore. And if you want to call the guy a fifth year, if he sticks around that long, then call him a fifth year.
4: Um, All right, but you know, it, know, it, it appears my original question is if you lose people for whatever reason, it does appear you can catch up. By like giving, I mean, it's not fifteen total. Meaning you can only give four four per year. You obviously give more.
1: Yeah, I'm not aware of any class size restrictions in basketball.
4: That's what I'm thinking. Um, in football, there definitely is, right, or there was. I mean, you could you couldn't give out seventy five in football if all of a sudden everybody left you, right? Or could you?
1: I yeah, I I, I don't know what to tell you, Tom. I, I, as far as I know, the limit is uh, it's a pretty hard limit at twenty five and uh, and sometimes um, the, the only work around with that is when you get guys to enroll early, you know, who, who graduate from high school in December and enroll they can be cl- applied to the previous class or the incoming class at the uh, coach's discretion
4: hmm, alright well, uh, it's,
1: it is so, getting more hey, uh, back, back on, on baseball I, I, I stumbled across this a while and I saved it, I, I didn't know if I'd ever bring it up or not um, but we, we, we hit on Pitchers and, and Bob Gibson. Uh, I saw this tweet that said Stargell, Aaron, Clemente, Mays, Banks, Perez, and McCovey had just over 800 total of bats, uh, at bats against Gibson. Between them, they hit 231 and struck out 208 times.
4: I'm going to say that the uh,
1: best <laughs>
4: best hitter against Gibson all time was Billy Williams.
1: Uh, actually, that that uh, that is a, a, a truth. Um, and uh I'm not, I'm not that wrong Williams on got time. Gibson uh for some big home runs in some periods. I, I think he only hit like in the two forties against him, but um, but on the other hand uh, uh, he, uh, uh, he he did get some, he did tag him in some key uh, situations. He said he never um, showed him
4: up, always put his head down and ran. Never <laughs> he was very aware of next one might be in his ear.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, and, and there's there was a story as I, as I was digging a little farther in there, and I'll, I'll tweet out uh, a couple of uh, a couple of things on, on this. But um, you know, Rose uh, Pete Rose talking about him. Uh, uh, he, he said he uh, um, he was playing second base when a uh, when Gibson uh, uh, hit a double early in the game. So he's walking by him. He says, "What'd you hit, Gibby?" And he's bent over. He's got his hands on his knees. Doesn't say anything. So I ask him again, "What'd you hit, Gibby?" It still didn't get anything from him. Uh, Rose asked his manager, who was Fred Hutchison at the time when, uh, when he was a rookie, when the inning ended, and Hutchinson said to Scott, so he warned him he don't talk to the opposition during a game. The next afternoon, Rose is standing near the cage at Bush Stadium watching the Cardinals take batting practice, and Gibson walks up. He walks over to him, and he just walks by and says, it was a slider, Rook. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, uh, evidently, he went to the All-Star game, and he was caught by a... Uh, tim mccarver mccarver said he wouldn't talk to him because he was, he was he wasn't on the cardinals at the time or something it was his catcher that's interesting
1: but yeah that I've, I've, I've got this other one that is just a list of you know sandy koufax versus uh hank aaron um to, to, to hit 362 on base 431 uh but only a 647 uh, oh no his ops was 1077 Sandy Koufax between uh, Lou Brock, one eighty five, two thirty two, two forty six, OPS four seventy eight. Uh, Gibson versus Eddie Matthews. Uh, actually, here's someone who did pretty well against him: ninety five at bats, thirty one hits, five doubles, triple, four homers, thirteen RBIs. He, he was three twenty six, four forty eight, and uh, um, nine seventy five OPS. weren't you uh, happy? Comedy uh, uh, didn't do so well and then it goes into you know Seaver and Spahn and uh, uh Robin Roberts, Steve Carlton, Nolan Nolan Ryan so it's it's some interesting stuff some some good grist for the uh, uh, uh for the off season uh for that for our hot stove league today
4: Well the uh I mean some of those those uh, people it has to do with you know about their their uh, what do they call them I was just we were just talking about it their their key years I mean no, nobody had three years like, like Sandy Koufax did. When he came up, he was kind of wild. Then he had three years where he absolutely dominated baseball. And then he had the arthritic elbow and he retired when he was 30. So it's a question of what, what do you think, what do you think the Hall of Famer should be? I mean, some Hall of people think if you're not, if you're not in the league for 20 years, I mean, you don't belong. I mean, uh, other people think, you know, Gail Sayers was still to this day probably the most exciting running back. And after five years with the knee injuries and the, the lack of medical, you know, foot spot like they have now, he does, he absolutely belongs in a hall of fame. So, I mean, there's always that debate. Um, I I always thought that if you were that special for a period of time and something happened to you, I mean, injury or whatever, I think there's room for you. I mean, I was never a, a you know shut the hall behind me kind of a guy. Of course, I'm not in there, but maybe if I was in there, well, it, you, you know, the know.
1: interesting thing with Sayers too is that he did come back um, and. You know The important thing to remember is, in those days, when, um, when you talk about uh, knee surgery, it was before arthroscopic surgery, so the trauma of the surgery was as severe as the knee injury itself because they had to cut the whole thing open and, uh, and go to work on it. So, you, you do have, um, you know, you have to deal with, uh, with that concept when you look at someone like Gail Sayers. What I find interesting about Sayers is that he—I um, uh, well, want to say—he he did come back. He did have a thousand-yard season in a, a fourteen-game season, um, and uh, and what's kind of interesting about it is he was essentially he didn't have the burst of speed anymore. He was like he played it more like a fullback after being the most electrifying player—the give me eighteen inches uh, inches of daylight guy. Um, he turned into a fullback, and he was a pretty a fullback who got a thousand yards rushing.
4: Yeah, I mean, if you don't you kind of know these people, and I say know them, I, I go into a couple, and Jan and I were doing the score stuff, went to the score golf outing, right? And, uh, to say, well, Maddie, <laughs> the, the people who were on the air for the score, let's just say, I, I never felt I really fit in with that group much. Uh, I never saw guys with bigger sports egos in my life, and I'm not so sure they, they knew all that much, half of them, but, uh, Anyway, so we go to the golf outing and I ended up talking to Gail for about an hour. And uh and he had really gotten into biking. Uh this was probably twenty years ago, so he would he would have been what, he would have been in his fifties, Matty, maybe. Uh and he was really into biking. He goes, I can't run it. He goes even you know, there's no way I can do that. He goes, But I'm pretty good on the bike, which I bet he was. He still looked in great shape. Nice guy. I mean, uh he uh you know, I mean I he was talking to me, I mean he didn't have to talk to me, but he I mean was no i mean it was about it was like talking to the guy down the black i mean he was saying yeah you know he, he goes you obviously figure i'm not gonna do much running i go now and he goes but i'm really getting into this biking and he goes i'm kind of liking golf too he goes i'm horrible at it but you know just regular conversation <laughs> with somebody and uh you know he was he was, oh, he was welcome to that club yeah i mean steve stone was was fun to talk to uh very forthcoming about the the drugs that uh, they used to use in their day for painkillers for shoulders and stuff and uh uh interesting story, I, I, there, there was a game where I was I was young, and I uh, was watching him, and he had a, he had a, he was pitching, and he'd given up like seven walks, but no hits, and it's the seventh inning. You know, and he's having trouble finding a play. Well, they, they, I think they yanked him after either no hits or one hit, and it was just really odd, you know. So I see him, and I go, Steve, I remember, he because I don't probably remember, you'll probably don't remember this game, but I do, just because it seemed odd to me. I said, you were pitching, and uh, you had you had given up uh, uh, like seven walks, no hits. You had a no hitter going, and, and, and still they pulled you. And he goes, "Oh yeah, that was against somebody on such and such a date." He, you know exactly what I was talking about. And he goes, "Yeah, you know, and I really screwed up that night." And I go, "What did you do?" And he goes, "Well, I m- I mixed one painkiller because my shoulder was bugging me with something I had never taken before, and they obviously clashed." He goes, "I was having real problems." He goes, "I couldn't see the signs." He goes, you know, he he goes, he goes, that was really a problem. He goes, but the catcher, and he named the catchers, you know, he goes, he was a backup catcher. He wasn't the first string guy. He was the best receiver I ever threw to in all my years of baseball. He couldn't hit for squat, but he was a great catcher. And he came out and he says, Steve, what's wrong? And he goes, I can't see the signs. I took these two drugs. The guy goes, just throw whatever you want. I'll catch it. And he goes, he did. he didn't have one pass ball in seven innings. Or, and uh, and he goes, he goes, nobody else could have done that. He goes, that, that game was, was bizarre, not because of me, but because of him. I basically crossed him up for seventh inning and he didn't miss a ball. And he goes, that, that there's nobody that can do that. I mean, <laughs> no matter who you are. He goes, Johnny Bench couldn't do that. He goes, but this guy had that kind of reflexes and that kind of hands. And uh, he goes, yeah, they had to take me out to seventh inning. I couldn't see the side. <laughs> the ball's all over the place.
1: <laughs> well, you know, you know the Doc uh, the Doc Ellis reference uh, that I mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Well, he uh, yeah, where Do- Doc Ellis uh, was not scheduled to pitch, so he took LSD. <laughs> oh, god! <laughs> and the pitcher didn't go, so he went, um, and he
4: pitched a no hitter. <laughs> he, did he? Did he look like uh, what's his name? The guy in Detroit, uh, the Bird.
1: Oh, Fidrich. No, he, you know, he, look, I, I'm, I'm sure he had some interesting views of the strike zone at times. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure that, um, you know, that it probably just zeroed in on him really neatly, and, uh, you know, everything was like throwing in a funnel or something. But on the other hand, he walked a lot of guys that game.
4: Matt did you ever see any films of uh, The Bird, Mark Fidrich? Oh, yeah. Um, but they, how many how many innings did they throw that poor kid? It threw his arm on his first two years. Was Was it like... It was unbelievable how many... What, he was like... His rookie year, wasn't he like 23 and 12 or something? I mean, some massive number. But you would never do that today to somebody. And uh, But he used to wander around the mound and look up at the sky. I mean, he was a riot. I mean, Detroit used to get nobody up there. And all of a sudden, this guy starts pitching. They were they were filling up that clanky old building. And then their stadium used to hold like 60,000 people in the, the old Detroit stadium. Was that Cleveland? Oh, Cleveland was the one that was real big, right? Cleveland,
1: was. Cleveland held like 80. It was
4: the... Football stadium, basically, and then well, then they you know you come out there and there'd be five thousand people there. It Must have been quite a quite an echo around that place. But uh, what do you, so, Kevin? What um, we talked a lot. I don't know if you're listening yesterday when Flanny was in. Uh, pretty or actually it was on Monday. What what do you make of you know? We talk about you know the violence in Chicago. We talk about the uh, uh, you know the, the stuff with the the Omicron and the other stuff and all, whether maybe it's been done better or not better, but. What, ha- what what do you think happens when all these buildings? We've seen it happen to one. that somebody paid, you know, three twenty for it, million dollars, really three years ago. And now, what do you think it's worth? Two fifty, two twenty, two hundred. I mean, these are massive changes.
1: I, I would say not much at all. And and the problem with it is, of course, is that um, uh, because it, it isn't just a matter of. Uh, the building not being worth as much today is when you project its value going forward um, you know I, I had tweeted uh, earlier in the week when you were talking about Chicago uh, you know about Detroit and you know Detroit as late as 1990 was still the 7th largest city in the United States and it it had been as high as 4th um, and now it's 27th because the city just deteriorated so bad everybody left buildings were abandoned um you know, uh, it, it, you know everything going on, and Chicago's starting to walk down that path. Uh, so now you you start to say, you know, is that what's that building worth now? What's that building worth ten years from now? And what's that building worth thirty years out? If Chicago really is going the Detroit path, it's worth nothing thirty years out. And you know, if you're going to buy an office building, you need you know you need some long term value to it.
4: Well, you really, I mean, a lot of the places. I mean, this, this gentleman's law firm just moved to the West Loop. They were in the Mononac building here, and they had big space, and they kind of split apart. But he goes, there's, there's nobody down here in the South Loop area. I mean, we're not in South Loop. I mean, we're. I mean, goes, there, there is no one here. I, mean, it, I, walk, I went to the bank yesterday. I was the only person on the sidewalk. There wasn't a, a, something on the street. I walk into Lakeside Bank. I'm the only person in there, a customer. Acro- across the way is Chaser City. Nobody's in there. Not a soul in the Board of Trade lobby. It, it's not, it's getting no better, Kevin. No better whatsoever. And, and when, because every time one of these new variants come in, what you look at, the exchanges basically fed this, uh, fed uh, money into the south side. I mean, I gotta believe that, you know, some huge percentage of people coming in on the Rock Island that, uh, that stop right there, and the L coming around the city, uh, There had to be how many thousand people on the exchange floors in the buildings around it? A hundred thousand maybe? Fifty, sixty? Now, there's nobody there. So, like Bill says, on the west side, the people there, the ones that commute from Oak Park, you hop on the green line and you're in your home in 25 minutes. But if you're northwest, if you're anywhere else, you can't get there. We have to come to town. You got to take, you know, another mode of transportation over, which is very New Yorkish, but it's nowhere near as convenient. As downtown, I mean, it's like Manhattan. I mean, all all roads lead to Manhattan. I mean, you you could have a big business development, and, and you know, in the Bronx or north of, but you can't get to the Bronx and Brooklyn without going to Manhattan first. I mean, it, the the, re, the you know, when you talk about this infrastructure, and we're talking about rehabbing all of it, you got to be, sure, are, are they going to rehab all the stuff here and not worry about the violence and all the others? And they're going to rehab train lines into places nobody is anymore. I mean, well
1: and, and also consider that that you know um, that that all just spokes uh, for your train lines is designed for a city model that doesn't exist anymore. So how much are you going to sink into it at all? Well, but you, you know, I mean do, do you you know I, I don't know I don't I don't know if this is possible but you know take a city like Detroit that that city is in a position now because they've cleaned out almost all of the abandoned buildings and so they have a lot of open space they're in a position to sort of reinvent the city and reinvent the model and probably draw people back slowly because you know you still got a lot of people in the suburbs uh in suburban detroit and and ringing the uh area well you cross, so, you know you could you could make your trans yeah, first of all it, you you probably you probably need to build your uh transit system around more driving which means you know, a, a different structure for roads, different you know, uh, different road patterns, and so on. I mean, Chicago's just goofed up from that regard too, because you got all these angle streets that just totally gorp up the traffic everywhere at every corner
4: direction. Which you have. I mean, Chicago and New York are unique, and this this happened to uh, when, when Sears moved out. My walt was still alive. My stepfather, and he downtown worker, and he and he they worked at Waltham Watch down here, and they had, they had people. And when Sears moved out, he says to me. I can't believe they're doing something so dumb. And I go, what are you talking about? And I, all right. I'm just coming out of grad school and so forth. And he goes, "That's that was, it was after that. But he, he goes, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. He goes, downtown, do you, you have any idea how many people work for our place that are the second breadwinner in the family that can essentially get back and forth to work in a timely manner for two bucks a day? He goes, if you, if, now all these people, if they move to Hoffman Estate, have to buy a car. And, and you know, gas insurance a whole bit, they're and, and they're not, they're probably not even the primary breadwinner. They're not going. You're going to lose all your people, and you you think they're not worth anything to so You can always find another person. If these people are ordering shirts for you and and women's clothes, they've been there forever. They are the heart and soul of Sears. <clears> they <throat> said so for you to just. Because, no, he goes, very few people... Yeah,
1: you're abandoning the institutional value of the uh, workforce.
4: Well, but the, the, you're the, still...
1: The continuity that they can provide for you, the, ex- the long-standing expertise. Yeah, and, and I, I suspect Sears did that consciously. It may have been stupid, but I think they, they were stupid on purpose because they, uh, you know, they, they really wanted uh, to tap into a totally... But the
4: idea workforce. of plopping on a brown line by me or way further north and making it downtown and back for six bucks a day is f- things most cities don't have. And, and, and to abandon that is is really ignorant, I think. In the long run, whatever. SP futures up nine, Nasdaq futures up forty three. Talk to you later, Enrique. We come back with Mr. Russell Rhodes. Mm-hmm.
0: Three four five six, that's seven oh eight three four nine three four five six, or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com.
3: Interested in promoting your business to a high end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on stocks and jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market, along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net.
0: Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, and stocks, and jocks. You are out
4: of control. Right here, right now, right here, right
2: now, right now. There's something happening here.
4: What it well, I'm roll to pay Stocks and Jocks. I have time now. This is from wherever way. on the board. SPFuture is not only up 8.15, as There's if he's up man 36 man. I say only eight. Yesterday we were like ninety something. We're up a hundred most of the day, or ninety nine. We haven't quite hit the hundred a couple times, but it's it's very odd trading and that we race up and at some point it's like everybody decides, okay, that's the number. We just sat it like up ninety eight in the spooze, I'm gonna say for four hours yesterday, and finally we ducked down to like ninety three and came back to ninety six. A little bit of movement on the clothes. But Russell, how are you, bud?
2: I'm doing okay.
4: Are you Indiana ish or are you here ish?
2: I am hearish.
4: Cool are you guys on it's, uh, your, a, big,
2: it's a big day
4: uh oh why is that are you becoming you, huh? you're getting your fid today
2: I am getting my
3: fid today alright congratulations
2: <laughs> well it's I, I defend this morning after I talked to you but well, the, uh, I, decided, I decided from the comfort of my home, own home was a great idea
4: we, uh, why don't you come right. in you should have come in
3: Oh,
2: let
4: him uh, celebrate no. his day,
3: for God's sake. He doesn't have to brave the cold. <laughs>
2: we'd, have, we'd
4: have run out and we'd, we'd have had something. We'd have, we'd have some espresso shot for you or yeah, something. Yeah, some
3: mimosa, maybe,
2: yeah.
4: or Bloody Mary. Uh, I've,
2: I've got to, I have I've got the Red Bull and Adderall cocktail all, all set. <laughs> I'm, I'm good.
4: Well, congratulations. I I have a feeling we, we we walked you through this for how long has it been? Two decades? You know.
2: Oh, Jesus. Uh, yeah, it's been a while.
4: Doesn't matter, man. Well, I've done like
2: six years. I mean, it's, the whole thing was like a six year process. That's, that's kind of normal. Well, you beat Belushi. I did beat Belushi. There. Oh, no, but I, I, I kind of tied Belushi undergrad, but I don't want to go there today. It's all <laughs> about happy stuff. You just,
4: you just <laughs> like school. What? Well, or I, I, I Where are school. This is the most, I realized
2: if I did the things correctly, they'd pay me to go to the school instead of me having to pay to stick around.
4: Uh, yeah, well. Alright, so, now that means you you've submitted your thesis and somebody read it and yeah. said this is good stuff and uh, you're on your, yep. your great.
0: Yep. Now,
4: how many people? Can have... Put a, put a, mm? w- w- walk us through that process. How many when 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 you find you have? I think from what you've told us that there's mm-hmm. somebody who's you either go find or is assigned to you to essentially walk you through the, the thing from the outline to the. A couple of proofs yeah. and everything, and when it's all over, how, yeah. is there some kind of group that approves it, or how does it? What's what's the process?
2: That's, you, you just basically kind of summed it up. So I've got a dissertation chair, um, and I'm, I, my my degree is coming from Oklahoma State. And if anybody out there wants to talk to me about that program, I'm happy to talk to them. About it. Well, you like it? <laughs> uh, right? It's a ph- it's a PhD program that you can do, and it's an accredited PhD, which there's a big difference um, between some degrees and other degrees. You always want to make sure it's accredited because it, it qualifies you or that further qualifies you to teach at a university. Um, universities need to have a certain percentage of classes taught by PhDs and then there are some adjuncts and as a PhD student and a PhD, I don't count against that score. So that's why I'm really attractive to universities. Um, but I came up with a plan of, of what I wanted to study, which was a lot of behavioral finance topics, and got that approved back in May, and then went off and gathered all the data and ran all the numbers, and very few of my hypotheses turned out to be true. <laughs> but <laughs> well, that doesn't matter.
4: I mean, uh, um, I mean I, I've done all the work.
2: So I, really, I just have to present the results. And today's process is presenting the results to a committee of four my chair and three other people and um, you know as long as they, they believe I've done the work that, that I said that I would do and um, even though not all the results turned out to be what I thought they were going to be ahead of time actually there's value in that as well um, they'll sign off and I immediately am allowed to say I am a PhD and use the term doctor and I I'm going to start calling people and saying this is dr. Rhodes calling for so-and-so
4: well how did doctor want to wear that
2: title out that's the whole point, I'm totally being sarcastic well, I'm being sarcastic about that
4: well, how did how did Dr J beat you to the doctor
2: <laughs> um did, how did how did he get that nickname? I mean I know their father is a well 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 known um, neurosurgeon or something like that but uh, did, transplant I, it, surgeon was that i mean was that his badge and it just stuck or? yes
4: he was dr j it was yeah
2: okay all right well and uh, my, so my, you know mine mine was R A R. What the hell can you do with that? Yeah, or R- like, R-
3: like uh mm-hmm. like a lion.
4: Were those are your initials? And my
2: initial, my initials. But I wasn't thinking. Um. Oh, cool! Yeah. My initials are available.
4: <laughs> well, my I was T P H. Those are my initials. So. Yeah. Well, time If taken. I'd known that
2: it would, if I'd known it would turn into, it could possibly turn into, you know, almost a copyrightable name. Um, I would have thought differently.
4: Um, well, the reason why he took that one is because Jan uh, spells his name J O N not J O H N, and J O N was taken. That was his first choice. Mm-hmm. So he, you know, when you when your first couple of choices or somebody already has, I mean, back in those days, Maddie, there, there there couldn't be two acronyms. I mean, you you could be on the CBOE your whole life and, and not see an acronym and decide you wanted it to be your acronym. There could have been a guy on the the P Coast or New York Stock Exchange mm-hmm. or the or the or the board of trade or the CME that you couldn't have the same acronym even if you'd never even met the person or in the same city because well it was,
3: if they're only three letters how many combinations are there
4: Well they originally were mm-hmm. originally people had two and then they said no you got to go to the, three To three it's a 26 well, letter. They're they're oh, what's what, what's 26 times 26 times 26 times 26
3: Yeah that that would be let me let me a tell lot. you it's a lot. So a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, there was a lot of people that had badges, right?
4: Well, uh, yeah. I'm going to say total probably was
3: f- 6,000. So, I, mean,
4: so sure. I think
3: by my math, there's about 17,576 possible acronyms. Well, there's two, there's two badge guys, too, that were in there earlier.
2: Yeah, you could, you could do a two letter or a three so letter. 26 they, times they well,
3: a four letter. Dan said you can also have one and you can also have two, so that. I never saw a one, but maybe they weren't a board of trade. So then, so then that obviously increases the number. Yeah, cause I mean, Bob Giannone was BG. Since now the math's getting too hard.
4: Yeah, well, yeah. The, the, well, the, the two is 26 by 26, so that's easy enough. Right. And then now the, th- the three are 26, 26, 26. So that's a lot. And then I think the people on the, the item badges might have had four. They were four guys. Yeah. But there were everybody pretty much, unless you were, if you came to the CBOE past, what, 76, I'm going to say, Russell, you had a three,
3: three letter acronym. So either, so, you know, either way, call it, uh, 18,000 plus, uh, possibilities for yeah. acronyms. And I thought there was more than that many people that had a badge.
4: No. Well, there, there probably were, uh, 3,000 on the Merck, 3,000 on the Board of Trade, maybe four, 1,800 on the CBOE. not okay. very many on so the yeah. stock exchange. So, so it, was, it worked. Yeah, it was probably, I bet there were 20,000 people with badges. Now, if there would have been, you know, went to 100, yeah, you'd have to go to four letters, I guess. But, uh, no, it, it worked. But, I mean, you'd sit there and go, and you'd say, because there, there, no, there was no time on the CBOE, so I thought I might actually be able to get it. I'm sure John thought he could get J-O-N, but there's nobody mm. down there that, uh, <laughs> but we had, uh, well, because the other guy, J N O he was J N O Jano, there was a the guy on the floor, but he was a character. Uh, those guys all got indicted for something i don 't know what the hell they did they were in some kind of business <laughs> there they were they were creatures right russell uh is that, is that running uh, no they, it was running. they did was <laughs> something uh, something they did outside the floor hey uh question oh. on on the stuff that you right. the, the the hypotheses that you thought were correct and mm-hmm. weren 't uh were the fact that they weren 't um, that 's probably big time discovery as well isn 't it what were one of those
2: oh well, I think the core, the, the the best takeaway, and and I'll get feedback on this in a few hours. But I think the the best takeaway was um, that professional money managers actually, yeah, you know, we've got these behavioral finance things that, through popular literature, have become like kind of like people believe everybody makes the same sort of behavioral finance mistakes. But um, I'm not finding that professional portfolio managers give in to Some of the heuristics that a lot of individuals do. And the only, the only thing that I saw that maybe over influenced uh, professional portfolio managers was that stocks that had, that had consistently increased their dividend over 25 consistent years were overweighted on average by active portfolio managers. Whereas companies that have a high reputation or are well known.
4: Um, are actually underweighted. Um, boy, it would have been interesting uh, if you would have interviewed me for this. Because uh-huh. I have, a, I, I have a, a real odd take on it in the, in the, mm-hmm. in the sense that... Uh, I mean, I did very little research on this when I was in Chicago, nothing like you. I mean, why I'd love to see your stuff. But it has to do with... Communication with clients is a big deal. I don't know how you. I don't know that, how you
2: that, that's one of the things that I put in there. Was um, my feeling was that companies that had just a high reputation, not necessarily you know great financials, but you know were or well, known like you know maybe Tesla or something like that. Um, part of the, the you know the, the the discussion behind why I thought that would be true is high reputation companies would be the kind of companies that. Portfolio managers would make sure we're in the top ten of their portfolio, just because you know we have the whole uh, "who can blame somebody for owning, you know, Microsoft, which is uh, when they had a high reputation or something like that." Um, So there's not as much of that going on as you would think.
4: Um, Right. I mean, I I, I don't want to spend too much. There's
2: not as much of that window dressing stuff that goes on. In fact. Um, one of the other things i did was i i bucketed uh, all the s&p 500 stocks into the best performing and the worst performing each quarter and um, they weren't overrepresented or underrepresented either even though by nature the um the, the stocks that outperformed should you know grow a little bit within somebody's portfolio
4: well what i we are kind of talking about as usual, that's why I love talking to you. We, we start talk, there's, there's different layers of conversation in every conversation. Mm-hmm. It's like three-dimensional chess or something. But what, what I'm talking about is if you're big enough where you don't... How can I say this politically correctly? I can't, so I'll just say it. If you're big mm-hmm. enough and arrogant enough, or big enough where you can be arrogant enough, if you're a Merrill Lynch or, you know, pick somebody like that, and and, and your mom or dad goes there with their... You know, million bucks, they're going to ask them 20 questions and they're going to say, ah, man, you need, you need, uh, because of your age when you retire in two years from now, like the same crap you hear on TV. Stages of life. Mm-hmm. Just, they, they have the formula and they stick you in the formula. Okay? So, yeah. so you're going to be, you know, 25%, uh, whatever, fixed income, even though nobody's making any fixed income. But why everybody's in there, I have no idea, but they, they are. Uh, you're going to be, you know, big. You know, your big cap Bob's going to get this, and mid cap Mike's going to get this, and that, and you you pretty much buy into that, and you pay him the one percent or one and a half, or how you're paying him, maybe two. Uh, you don't have any. You're just gone. You look at your statement every once in a while, and that's And your your communication is really maybe mm-hmm. maybe you want to switch a little from big cap uh, big cap Bob to mid cap Mike, but that's but you just get you get your your statement now has. 50 pages of crap on there, you know, 28 shares of this and that. And you're you're sort of dealing with that level. Um, Now, the people that I deal with, a lot of the money managers, and I'll use the term my level, it's a much more uh, conversational thing with Mm -hmm. your people. And sometimes you might even, they might even, uh, the Merrill Lynch account isn't all just your stuff. They might actually bring Three or four stocks with them that they were left over from dad or mom or somebody. They might have a concentration. Yeah. There might be all kinds. Now Maryland doesn't want any part of that, right? They just want you in their system where you can't find them and they're going to spend the year on the golf course. I mean, I'm being a little, a little too much there, but, but, but for me, the, 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 the issue you have with people is not, some people, especially a lot of the older retired ones, all they do is watch their stuff, even with you managing it. And I don't have too many people like mm-hmm. this. I do it, I do it some of the places I subcontract for, but the, I mean, and the, there's, you get the calls there where, why, why, why weren't you in, uh, what was the movie theater? It was worth nothing and all of a sudden went up like 10 times. Why weren't we in that Fantasy. one? Yeah, why, yeah, yeah. Why, why weren't we in that one? Well, the Merrill Lynch guy is not going to take that call. But mm-hmm. somebody in my, you know, in the way I, I'm I'm gonna I am i am i do not get that call too often, but a lot of the people do in the places I'm I'm with, you know what I'm saying? Where mm-hmm. somebody will call me all frustrated and say, Again, I got fifteen people calling, how come how come we weren't in XYZ to doubled yesterday? <laughs> so you you have this incredible thing now that the market has become this real big mess where people really want to be in the stock that moved yesterday. And, and they mm-hmm. think that for the one percent they give you, uh, that that's your job. Is, is to is to know it's totally different than the people I think you' it's a it's a totally s- subset of the stuff you're you're researching which is a, on, a, on the upper level let's put it that way because you have a lot of people now that hire a manager, but they're talking to them every day. You know, and there's stocks they insist they want, and when that stock goes down, it's some manager's phone. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of a mess out there, because everybody's all involved in this crap. They're, they listen to somebody on TV, oh my god, why do I, I mean, you're not gonna get Mer, Mer, uh, Merrill Lynch getting the phone call, Big Cap Bob saying, what, what are you doing in Johnson & Johnson when Kramer says it's a sell? I mean, they're not gonna take that call. But a lot of people that have, you know, managers that they've known or they're friends with, those calls happen all the time. I wonder what that would have done to your research. I mean, I don't know how you even quantify any of that stuff.
2: Well, what I what I did was uh, I was not looking at indi- individual money managers. I was looking at active, um, large-cap stock portfolio managers and comparing okay. you know, how they held stocks relative to the S&P 500, which was their benchmark. So
4: you're in the upper end. Um, you're in the but, upper echelon here.
2: Well, the thing is, I'm, and, and this is part of... Uh, part of the study is at the end I say here's some great things for further research and the first one goes along with what you were just saying which is to try to determine uh, to take the uh, 190 uh, mutual funds that I used for holdings data and segment them by holder take some because there are mutual funds that are really geared toward um, institutions and those that are that are more retail oriented. And if I break them out like that, I might be able to get a sense as to uh, whether the um, the guys that manage the retail portfolio are a little bit more sensitive about the type of mean stock crap that's going on in the markets right now. Or or not necessarily having a field to call, but losing investors because they look at the top ten holdings and they don't see any names they know of. You know, like, what is all this crap? Well, it's even harder that's to funny. find a. Uh, well, I understand. I know who J.P. Morgan is, and I know who Microsoft. You know that kind of stuff. So that that is a uh, that is a further um, uh, that's a further work for sure, and that's how I'm going to go about doing what you just brought up.
4: Well, even it's even even the real simple stuff, uh, Russell. When we when we started the Protect Index program in '97, there was only there was one ETF. It was yes, the, the Spider yeah so yeah. so we used to give seminars and we we had the benchmark and it was real easy to grade our performance told yeah. you we told you what we were going to do, and you know we we're going to try and maintain a market return over time with less volatility and with with protection that if the market drops fifty percent you're only going to lose you know whatever five or six or whatever put we ended up buying and and we yeah. did exactly that well now all of a sudden the the biggest the biggest problem is which index do you pick? I mean, I, one one group I started with two years ago, we put ended up probably a third in the in the Russell, a third in the Qs, and a third in the Spider. Well, hell, at the end of the year, the Qs were down, Russell had like damn near doubled, <laughs> you know. And the S and P, it's hard to even find a benchmark. And somebody will say, "Well, gee, you're 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 not beating the S and P." Well, I know that, but by the way, we had this discussion, and you wanted to be in the Qs. Oh yeah. I mean, it's it's really hard even to get benchmarks now because of all the, the, the crazy stuff going back and forth in different sec- sectors of the. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's I I I think um, I'd love to see your stuff, and I'll bet you could continue doing that at different levels, and you'd be you'd be surprised at what you'd find if you just kept going.
2: Oh, I know. No, I I well, first of all, I was surprised at what I didn't find, uh, but. Um I, I, I couldn't get through the thing without incorporating VIX into it. Um, it turns out there, uh, there is a flight to quality as far as, there, the, I, I designate the quality financial stock, the stocks that have quality financials, um, as stocks that have a high reputation for capital return. And when we've got a quarter where VIX is, uh, the, the average for VIX is really elevated, uh, those stocks are over owned to a much greater extent by active portfolio managers.
4: What, uh, did the issue of, uh, stock buybacks versus yes. dividends, how did you, how did you yep. deal with that? Uh,
2: I had a, I, I, I had a, a control variable, I had two control variables, um, that, that were kind of combined. One was, uh, the dividend thing, the, the, the high reputation for capital return. Uh, the other one was uh, share count changer.
4: No, I, I, I wouldn't where,
2: where I gave some credit to companies that did engage in buybacks.
4: How did how would you? I wouldn't. I wouldn't have a clue how to do that. How'd you do that?
2: Oh, I mean, you look at the share count at the end of each quarter, and okay. just calculate and calculated if it, it had gone up or gone down, and the, the percent to which it had gone up or gone down.
4: Well, how do you? But if a stack goes from. Uh, Sixty to you know two years later, it's like one hundred and fifty, and they bought back five or ten percent of their shares. How much of the increase would you attribute to them buying a the stuff back?
2: Uh, I didn't. I didn't take it to the point where I was, uh, and that's that's actually a very very difficult num- number to directly attribute to buyback. That's why I was
4: hoping you had the answer. It really, sure.
2: No, it really is. It's. Um, um, it, I mean, it, it. I almost feel like there could be an argument that. Uh, buybacks don't, you know, don't boost stock prices as much. There's another thing I could probably do. Uh, <laughs> buybacks don't boost stock prices as much as people think that they do. Do you? Uh, do you find?
4: I mean, I, I always find whenever uh, one of the listeners or somebody hits me with a topic that I have to do some research. Uh, but I don't have anywhere near the the capability of, of accessing a universe or anything like you do. But uh, mm-hmm. I always find that when I when I dig into a question at the end of, like, two hours, I've got five questions. I mean, how, oh, many, yeah. how many more subjects yes. could you write another Ph.D. paper on that you found along the way?
2: Oh, there's easily four or five papers in the data I have right now.
4: That's, 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 now, the people that... And that's,
2: that's part of, that, you know, I'm, I'm, even though I've just started Indiana, I'm actually participating in um, the the interviews that are going on right now. That right now is actually when people interview and, and get offers to start teaching at schools next year. We're like right in the middle of interview. There's usually a giant conference the first week in, in uh, January, which they're actually doing virtual this year, but where everybody meets. And it, I, It's funny, I went to this conference in Atlanta a few years ago in one of those hotels where all the doors open up into a big open-air lo- lobby, and because people interview in hotel rooms, you'd see people standing outside of hotel rooms in suits every half hour and every hour. Wow. <laughs> because it was such a big deal. But right now is when we're going through that interview um, process. And part of the discussion after we hear what these newly minted PhDs have been doing is, well, what further research and how could we collaborate with this person on the data that they used for their PhD.
4: Well, so okay. I I mean,
2: so the database that I created doing this whole thing over the last six months, um, there's a lot of value in that thing right there.
4: Now, Um, when you say when you say value, can you can you sell it or or now if you have no no no,
2: it's just it's a lot of value in um, adding to the academic literature that I can do with the data that I have.
4: Right. I guess so. How can how can I answer this properly? Now, would would you would you if if you now have three or four guys like you that are going to be getting a phd in indiana would you suggest hey i did this and look what i found if you want to carry the oh wallet. absolutely okay so people yeah. people share like that they don't they don't sit there and go no nah, i'm gonna write a book someday if no, uh, you
2: cl- I mean, you you collaborate on this stuff okay um but but then there is you know there there is this you know it there's this really weird competitive thing. I guess it's everywhere in life that, I, that I'm not a big fan of, and I know we're coming up on the half hour. Uh, but there's this really competitive thing where, like, a professor was, was telling me sometimes uh, yeah, everybody likes to kind of talk at a high level about what they're working on, and I might say that I'm um, working on you know a, cro- you know, a crossover between VIX and the S&P 500 and elaborate a little bit, Uh, If a professor, if another professor has gone down the same path and found nothing, uh, some of the smarmier guys won't tell you that. They'll go, oh, that sounds like a great idea, and just walk on. Because they would rather, you know, you waste your time while they come up with a smart idea and get ahead of you. My school, and and that's like external stuff. That's not within the same school. Uh, Um, But, yeah, there's all kinds of weird games that I'm learning about. Well, did you, you when
4: you came up with your idea that... Did somebody kind of suggest that to you, or did you come up totally on your own for yours?
2: Um, it's, it's an offshoot of my dissertation chair's work, uh, where he has done a lot of work on high reputation. Uh, and he did, He's done a lot of work on high reputation and um, whether, how that works when, um, when we have mergers and acquisitions. Well, so we I, have a, 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 one high rep firm buying another high rep firm. So he had a lot of the reputation data, um, and I, I, you know, that was the basis for a lot of the other things that I did.
4: it's um, sort of interesting, when you, you're getting your PhD, you know, the, the, the program you're in, it's mm-hmm. not, this is more like, uh,
2: I'm gonna say business economics? This uh, it, this is actually strategic management. Okay, and that's why I'm doing behavioral finance stuff
4: so there was um, well, it, it, at Notre Dame this was a long long time ago mm-hmm. there was a, there was an economics degree in the business school and there was an economics degree in the arts and letters school it sounds mm-hmm. to me like you would be in the business school
2: oh yeah i was definitely in the business
4: school okay because I because like uh, we we'll got a break at the University of Chicago where I was I mean I, did, I I basically jumped out of the business school when I took all the courses from Friedman and Stigler and those guys it was a Kind of a totally different world. Uh, yeah, I mean, it would because uh, what Friedman always talked about is that if he had the time, he would love to dig through mergers and acquisitions. He was absolutely convinced that if a company got too big, it became it became less efficient. That there was a there was an ideal oh, size. God, yeah. Well, but he he said he could never prove it because he didn't have the time. That that you know if uh if if you know was it Bristol Myers took over Squib? That Squibb was. Far and away as big as it was, that you weren't going to get any more efficiencies in size because Squibb was already, had already reached that stage. I mean, he didn't use those examples, but, I mean, so it sounds like you, you're coming at this as sort of a different, using the stock and all those things. It's fascinating, the different ways of coming at sort of the same problem. Anyway, S P Futures up 8, NASF Futures up 19. Be right back, Stocks and Jacks. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTIsecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTIsecurities.com. Stocks jocks Starts and jocks
2: stocks and
4: jocks. You are out of control right here. Right now, right here. Right now, right now. Right now. Hello, I'm Matt Weber on the board, Mr. Russell Rhodes. With us. Uh, uh, next week, it'll be Dr. Russell Rhodes with us. I've been wanting to say that for a long time, Matty. We, we you sort of it. have
3: been saying it, and now you can officially say it.
4: Yeah, I can officially say it. I always have to t- kind of take it back, but now I don't have to. I can just kind of leave it out there. <laughs> anyway, we, we t- market turned around a little last night. We've been really bullish for two days, so not surprising it turned around last night. But it, it coincided with Pfizer saying their three vaccine doses are neutralizing Omicron, even though we're going to go through some stuff here, which says it probably isn't. Um, just saying. Now, uh, future's up 55. Over in Europe, we've got DAX down 66.4%. FTSE up 18.2%. Kakaran, which was only on change, is now down 12.2%, but mild considering they were all really up yesterday like we were. Nikkei up 405. A little catch up there, 1.4%. Shanghai up 42, one2 Hang up 13 uh, call that flat. It's not even 1, Uh Over in the U.S. yesterday, over in the U.S., here in the U.S. yesterday, Dow was up 492. S&P up 95, though. That's huge. 2.07%. NASDAQ up 461. That's 3%. Russell was up 50 points. That's 2.3%. So big rally all day across the board. A couple stocks that were down, but boy, you had to look for them. Uh, tenure is uh, up 1 basis point to 1.5. Uh, Bunn up three basis points now at minus point three four. Uh, Japan is unchanged at positive point zero five. Oil up a little bit. We're back up over seventy. Eighteen cents seventy two twenty three. It was under six under seventy almost down to like sixty six, sixty seven last week. But it's uh it's coming back up here a little bit, still a long way from 100. Everybody's predicting. Ran up 31 cents, 75, 75 natural gas. I have to ask Russell about this. Up 15 cents, but 3.86, which is a way long way from this. over six dollar it was maybe six weeks ago. Our Bob up three cents, two, two thirteen. We've got gold down a buck seventy, sticking right around the 1783, 1785 numbers can't seem to get moving. Silver down 11 cents twenty two thirty seven, copper unchanged change four thirty three, and we've got Bitcoin down twelve hundred bucks to forty nine thousand two sixty-six, obviously under fifty thousand. Uh, that's quite a bit more than sixty-three thousand. That was a couple weeks ago. Eddie, what do you got for us, every Weather Sports?
3: Thirty seven minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. We have a crash on the outbound Stevenson I fifty five just before Illinois 53, this is down in the Bolingbrook area, and this uh, crash is causing some delays if you're heading southbound on I-55 in the southwestern suburbs. No issues on the inbound side. The only red you'll see on uh, I-55 heading inbound is near Cicero in the city. Dan Ryan, I-57 in the Bishop Ford. uh, Normal traffic volumes there. Same for Lakeshore Drive in both directions. Do see some heavy traffic uh, on the north and west sides, though. The Eisenhower in both directions uh, approaching an hour from O'Hare. O'Hare into downtown on the Kennedy. But on the Eisenhower, uh, looks like uh, uh, significant uh, sort of slowdowns, but no accidents to report. Just west of I-290, though, we have a crash. Roosevelt Road, uh, which is uh, Route 38. Uh, there is an accident that's right on uh, Myers Road. Everything else quiet out there? Weather today, clouds early. A bit warmer than yesterday, but still chilly. Could see some sunshine later on in a high of 35. Right now it's overcast and 29 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, partly cloudy with a high of 70 today. Right now it's clear and 59 in sports, Blackhawks were blown out by the Rangers 6-2 to last night. Coyotes were off. Bulls and Suns were both off as well. Bulls are back in action tonight in Cleveland. Take on the Cavs at 6 p.m. Chicago time. College Hoops, DePaul blew out Duquesne 87-67. to Loyola blew out Roosevelt 88-49. to
4: Gee. Uh, wow. 88-49 is a game.
3: Yeah, they shouldn't be playing Roosevelt University, I don't think.
4: No, I think that... Might have been scheduled before the uh, they switched leagues.
3: Yeah, well, they're, they don't officially switch leagues until next season. But Loyola has been, you know, a pretty uh, elite program now for the last five years, at least. Certainly a top thirty, thirty-five type program, and uh, I think they can stop playing Roosevelt. <laughs> yeah, well, but I mean, everybody plays a couple of these. Not, yeah, but they're not even Division One.
4: Oh, okay, I didn't know that. All right.
3: Yeah. All right. So. Uh, Russell, I guess. There's like 330-some Division One teams in basketball. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a huge number. You can always find a game. You don't need to play Division Two teams or whatever they well, are. Well, they're, they're close. They're well, Loyola
2: and DePaul could have played each other last night.
3: Now we're talking. They played the other night, and it was a great game.
2: It, oh, okay, I didn't realize. Like, when I was at Loyola, I, I felt like we never played DePaul.
3: Right. Uh, I, this is the first time in a while, right? I think it was the first time in a long time. It was on uh, TV, a national TV broadcast on uh, FS1 at Wintrust, and it was a terrific game. DePaul is much better than they have been, and then Loyola is mm. very good as well. Loyola won uh, a tight game, but uh, it was back and forth, and it was very entertaining. Uh, and it looked like a great felt like
2: You know, we have all those holiday tournaments. I've always felt like there should be one that's just all the Illinois schools.
3: There's been talk about that, yeah, to do, oh. you know, Illinois... You know Northwestern, DePaul, and Loyola, or something like that—the the, mm-hmm. kind of the top four teams—and
2: then and then get you know four of the other schools.
3: Yeah, that would be cool
2: because that's usually how the holiday tournaments work.
3: Indiana Which, does it; they they do. Uh, oh yeah, the
2: Crossroads.
3: IU, Butler, Notre Dame, and Purdue, and that's always uh, that always draws well.
4: Yeah, yeah that's we, a week we, from Friday, so here we would have to be well. We have we actually. Have, I think it's a week from. Friday. We have more teams. We we got Illinois. We got Northwestern. We get. DePaul, we got Loyola. We also those to, are the big four. Big you friendly. also have
3: like Illinois State and Bradley yeah. and Western and yeah. Eastern, but those in Southern, but those those schools kind of suck. Does UAC UI, have a team? They do. Yeah, they're Division yeah, One. They do have a team. They're not. They haven't been good in so long. People forget, but but yeah. Um,
2: yeah, you mix mix all those up. Yeah. A fun journey.
4: Russell, I'm gonna. If you don't mind, I'm gonna. I'm gonna run as an article here by Holly E L L Y A T Elliot Elliot. Anyway, she, uh, she essentially is trying to sum up what we seem to know about the, uh, this, the, uh, particular variant here. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. I mean, a lot of things re- actually kind of really cause your eyes to open. What's up the here. headline? Um, what, uh, symptoms, vaccine evasion and a new offshoot. What we know about the Omicron COVID variant. But the the amazing thing here, you you almost like you wonder if this is even true. It's been two weeks since South Africa reported the amicron COVID variant to the World Health Organization. Mm -hmm. You know, two weeks is fourteen days. That's not very long. The variant is now spreading around the globe and has been detected in fifty countries. Now, do you think it really started two weeks ago? And it's already in fifty. I mean, boy, that seems like. I use the term "detected," probably is correct. Expert have scrambled yep. to gain more of an understanding about the new variant which is a heavily mutated strain of the coronavirus day by day more information early data has emerged regarding the spread of the variant obviously this is a big deal if you're if you're looking to buy buildings if you're looking to buy stock but it's uh the uh, cases as soon as the World Health Organization designated Omicron as a variant of concern on november twenty sixth just two def- two days after self Uh, After reported to the UN, Health Agency, the hunt was on for cases of the virus elsewhere, amid concerns that the mutations could make it more transmissible. Okay, so now it's already been in—it's in 50 countries and 19 states in essentially 14 days. I boy, even with air travel the way it is, that's isn't that amazing? Yeah, it's—I mean—which leads (laughs) me to believe it probably didn't start at that spot two weeks ago. I mean, I no. No, just a just a thought. Um, signaling that the Omicron variant has been likely been circulating more widely for longer than initially thought. That would be, I think, anybody's. The first known yeah. sample dates back to November 9th and was found in South Africa. Uh, and so it, it probably was at least back to then. Okay, but now they're talking about symptoms. It says, although it's still early days and much more data to be collected, initial anecdotal evidence was somewhat reassuring regarding Omicron, suggesting it caused milder COVID symptoms. The South African doctor first spotted the virus. She had seen extremely mild symptoms among her own patients, including fatigue and a scratchy throat, but no cough or loss of taste or smell, symptoms that have been associated with previous strains of the coronavirus. Uh, Pfizer CEO says the Omicron variant appears to be milder than previous strains, but also seems to spread faster and could lead to more mutations in the future. Yeah, that's a scary thought hospitalizations of uh not very many parts of uh Area have seen an increase yeah. in hospitalization but uh, most of them no the strain is causing milder illness with fewer patients requiring oxygen or intensive care than seen in previous waves okay so i guess that's those are so the the news so far isn't all horrible the fact uh, the report noted majority of patients of the covid wards being observed were incidental covid admissions having been admitted to hospitals for other medical or surgical surgical reasons and just happen to have this i'll bet it's spreading in the hospital just like the first ones did um
2: oh, I'm sure, yeah,
4: yeah uh majority of patients in covid wards run vaccinated and hospitals reported a higher admission of younger patients and children age groups with lower rates of vaccination uh, hospitals reported no deaths the pediatric wards during the two weeks they were observed all right so what we know seems to be that it's uh, oh, no, there's one more section we probably talk about. One of the biggest questions for experts, government officials, and vaccine makers is whether the Omicron variant could undo the work that COVID vaccines have done so far to reduce the risk of severe infection. Well, it seems that the thing isn't severe to start with, which appears anyway, so that part's uh, that part's good. The CEOs of Moderna and Pfizer, who have both created widely used vaccines, said it could take weeks before they had clarity and whether their shots are effective against Omicron. Well, of course, today they came out and said the booster's working well. Uh, the anyway. So that that that's kind of where we are. Is that where you think we are? I mean, that, that seems like a. It, there's no answers in what I just said, but it 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 kind of covers the questions at least a little bit of what we know today, and isn't all as I don't know. I guess I'm I'm seeing some uh you know some or shall we say some sunshine in there a little bit, aren't you?
2: I'm seeing some sunshine in there. I'm also you know. This is me just using logic, and I, I, it, it it frustrates me how many people in our our business claim to. And you always say I don't, you know, I don't claim to be an expert in there, but really claim to be an expert in all of this stuff, even though it's not our area of expertise. Um, the uh, my thinking is, if you got a virus that's floating around, and if you catch it, you know, and it's very contagious, and you catch it if the symptoms are really mild, you don't even know you have it. Right. So it's going to take longer for us to pick up on it, but it's not, you know, just because not as many people are going to be worried about, oh, I'm, you know, I've lost my sense of taste and smell, and, you know, I, and I feel like crap. I probably got it and go get tested, and they find out you have it. There are probably a lot of people that had this variant that never even knew they had it. Because, yeah. And Because And that's how it spreads. If there's one that... You know, I go to a meeting today, and and then I get a call, and somebody at the meeting says, "Yeah, I tested positive for a version, of, you know, for COVID." Go get yourself tested. I go get myself tested. I have the same one, and the person that let me know drops dead two days later. That one's not going to spread as quickly, right? Because we're going to react a lot more quickly. So, by logic, doesn't it seem that eventually the the surviving COVID variants are going to be the ones that
4: Aren't as bad for us. Uh, well, that's what happened to the 1918 thing and the other covids. Is that really what? I, I mean, that's yeah, it's still logically, around.
2: Logically, that kind of to me that. What's that? What is that, that one through?
4: What is that one? H H one R one or H one N one or something? It's still around. That was
2: yeah. Well, that's the bird one, isn't it? Uh, what? Uh, See, that, that's, there. There goes any credibility I have
4: whatsoever. No, I, mean, I think whatever <laughs> whatever the 1918 one, it's it's still around in yeah. kind of a weakened state, and it comes through every few years. But yeah. I, here's my, I'm sort yeah. of, I'm getting, if, if we're lucking out on this, I guess the question yeah. is, and do we have any leadership whatsoever that anybody will believe, which is two questions there. I mean, do we have a leader that should be believed? And by the way, if we did have one, would anybody believe him or her? I mean, I think, you know, which is, which is right. At some point here, if this is going our way, okay, which maybe it is, Again, big, big, fat, maybe all, all in capital letters. At some point, are we, are, are we, or he, or somebody going to say, "Hey, look it." If 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 you're on the bulls and you get this thing, it's just a cold, or and yeah. not, you know, you don't stop playing. If the other people don't want to play, don't let them. I mean, it, or are we going to drive this now to this national responsibility, or worldwide responsibility, that if if you have any kind of a cold or flu or whatever, you have to. You have to go hide yourself for two weeks until or are we, are we just, I mean, it used to be, hey, colds are out there, everybody's going to get it. You know, if, if you want to stay out of the OEX pit where people are sneezing on you, it's your business, but don't try and throw the guy, tell the guy who's coughing that he has to go home. I mean, are, are, are yeah. is there a permanent change in behavior here that people are looking for that even if nobody dies from this thing, which is a big, big statement because somebody would be dying from something and they have something else to start with, can we just say, no, you don't have to stay home if you get this Omicron. Everybody's getting it anyway. What's the point? And by the way, you feel okay. I mean, it, I mean, I, I, it seems in the last couple of months, we have an awful lot of people that are isolating that aren't even really sick. I mean, if, if they didn't test positive, you, they wouldn't even know they had it. They would know they had something. But, uh, right. I mean, I, I'm, I not, I'm not advocating, yeah. and I don't want to be the person who makes that call, but it seems to me somewhere along the line here, if this continues to move up, uh, I'll say humanity's way. Uh, that call's got to get made by, by somebody. I mean, I don't know who's, who's going to do it. Who's going to believe him? But am I, am I wrong here?
2: No, you're not wrong here at all. I just I, I think that that eventually, you know, this thing, the trajectory that it seems to be going is that it it's you know, the new variants not as lethal, and you know if it turns out the next two variants that come out aren't as lethal as well then, you know, the amount of restrictions that are going to be placed on our daily lives will probably diminish. Um, and it may just be that we naturally, you know, fewer and fewer people even think about wearing the mask.
4: Or, But, I mean, are we going to get the call from our leaders or people just... But right now, I know all kinds of people who are just saying, look, I know I know, 10 people have had it in the last two weeks. They had mild, mm-hmm. mild symptoms. They're still here. I'm not afraid of getting it. I'm not afraid of my kids getting it. I'm going out. But i have mean, seen a lot yeah. of that. I mean, I mean, are we going to stop hearing, you know, Matt Weber, uh, a senator from Utah tested positive for the COVID? I don't care. By the way, is Matt Weber okay? What? Yeah, he's home. I mean, he's home. He sneezed twice. I'm, you know, at some point, are we going to, are we going to stop that? I mean, I don't know where or when, but.
2: No, I think, I, I, I do think that, you know, the rigid reaction, I started to say overreaction. I don't think, I think, you know, we're doing, of those things that we need to be doing, um, but we're all, you know, I think we're all basically we've got COVID fatigue, um,
4: yeah, and
2: I think that's that's part of you know the part of the situation, part of what will kind of creep in. I'm sitting here, you're, you're saying, is the government going to say you don't, you know, you, you, you know, are they going to just list all the rules? I think it'll be more of a soft, not. Being as you know, not as being as harsh as uh, around the rules, and you know there there are plenty of government mandated rules that we break every single day. You know, you're not yeah. supposed to cross the street you know downtown in Chicago unless you're at a corner. How many people do you see crossing not on a corner?
4: Well, from the business, and how many
2: people do you see getting ticketed for it?
4: Well, from the business standpoint, they had uh, your buddy yeah. uh, your buddy Kramer was on yesterday and talking about how. These people—they're at home. They're afraid. uh, They're not going to come to work. They're afraid for their kids. They're afraid, and they just don't want to come to work. So you got to let them work at home. And I'm going, okay. If, 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 as I really hope, it drops down to let's say serious cold status or mild cold status, you—you're not working for me if you're staying at home, afraid to get the cold. I mean, if you're that compromised, I don't want you, basically. You know that that
2: may be the next big high profile thing is people, you know, employers will will say, look, you know, you can't, you you've got to start coming into the office. Um, the labor, I think, the labor market is tight enough that some of that could shake out. Where, if in fact, I, I'm, you know, I do consulting work in addition to IU, and I actually got approached by a different entity about a week and a half ago asking if I would be willing just to come work for them, and they specifically said, and, you know, we totally will let you work from home if that's what you want to do.
4: Well, I I to,
2: And I I think that's becoming a stimulus. I think that is becoming more of something you can get because the labor market is so tight.
4: I think you can probably, too, but I wouldn't be... uh, Well, Kenny Polkari tells me there's people thought it was going to be permanent, move from New York to Florida, and now they're saying, you got to come back to work and going, hey, I moved to Florida. Well, who told
2: you to do that? You're out. Yeah, well, and that person most likely can find something. Yeah, maybe. Not, I mean, it's not hard to find a job right now. <laughs> uh, well, it's, I, think it's, it's, that. I
4: think it's hard. Yeah. I think, actually, the numbers that we go through with Carl, I think it's very hard to find the right job. I still think there's a a boatload of people that were laid off in, like, hospitality marketing positions and convention marketing. Also, yeah. That still, I mean, I think there's, in, in the in the 75 to 125 range, I don't know that there's, that you can walk in in, a, you know, two different color shoes and get a job there. I, I don't know about that at all. Well, Manny, how long, I mean, and, and we're Jill we're in, her, in her businesses. are. Uh, Jill is in a marketing and very talented young lady. Uh, what, you know, are all her pal i mean are people knocking on their doors or is it still tough to
3: get a job if she was out well she's been at her place for a year now and in in 2020 when she got laid off at her last place because of covid cuts uh you know march april 2020 when businesses were panicking and and rightfully so it was really hard to get a job for about six months but then uh Mm -hmm. she got hired uh november uh 2020 and has been there for a year and uh their their place is hiring people all the time.
4: But are they able to find them?
3: Uh, apparently, her team went from like a six person team to like an eighteen person team in the last year. Good. Uh, so so yeah, they're they're hiring like crazy, and and that's you know those are those are marketing jobs, and you know starting in the eighty five to one hundred thousand dollar range.
4: Well, because, uh, um, Dan Janitas, who's you know he's a money manager, but he has a buddy who must be must be somebody who just loves to do stuff. They got all these signs in Florida to help want it and he sent how many resumes he sent out in like fifty or sixty or something I don't know if you heard of that Dave. and he got like no calls back, but everybody has the obligatory sign saying we're hiring in case somebody walks in and still will work for ten bucks an hour but they they have no intention of, i mean they're, there's they're, no
3: doubt the yeah. lo- the lower end you know service jobs are are still struggling to find people there's no doubt about that. But I, I do find it interesting. I was watching the show Yellowstone, which uh, a lot of people, you know, it's a popular show that a lot of people watch. But we're, it's new to me. I just started watching it a couple weeks ago. Are you ago. binging it? Yeah, and it's uh, the first three seasons are now available for for uh, on, on Peacock, which we have included with our our cable package. And then season four is the current season, so I don't have access to that. But anyway, uh, they were talking about how they lived in Bozeman, Montana, because it's beautiful out there, and a lot of billionaires were working out there and living out there, because basically now that you can open a laptop and work from anywhere, people are starting to live where they want to live. And this was before COVID, and I think COVID even brought that to light even more, where People are now saying, I don't want to commute for an hour anymore on a train. I don't want to live in a cold weather climate anymore. I don't want to live in a place where I don't have any outdoor space. I want to go somewhere warm.
4: By the way, it's real cold in Bozeman, Montana.
3: Well, it is, but that's just an example. There, I want to ski. I want to have a big plot of land. I want to hike in the mountains. I don't want to live in New York or or L.A. Uh, Point being you know I think we're seeing a lot of that where it's, it's uh, sort of the geography of the entire country is 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 changing right before our eyes and and comp- I think smart companies are realizing that and, and acting accordingly and, uh, and, and some companies will be left behind
4: I, uh, I have a question for you when you say that though I, I'm, not, I'm not certainly not disputing that because i you know uh, my significant other manages a real estate. Out of her home, but nobody's nobody's there. She doesn't have six kids and and four. Well, she had the two dogs. Now she's got one, unfortunately. But I mean, she doesn't have the the constant goings on during the day. I think a lot of these people. It's it's. I call people that are that are supposedly working from home. I can never find them. I mean, Mm -hmm. but how do you? I guess Maddie, the the firm's like you had your normal place. Normal place. Downtown where you're, you know, the big shots had the offices and the other people were out in the common room kind of thing. And then these people from Google and Microsoft and the the people that really were massive innovators for a real long time put this huge, uh, value on everybody being together, team, team sort of think, uh, they didn't even want cubicles. I mean, you want to be able to discuss shit with the people next to you, yeah? Which a, was
3: proven to be pretty much a failure.
4: Well, see, I'm not. I'm not so sure.
3: <laughs> I think it was. Well, I mean,
4: just because our was, office
3: did that too, and it was a disaster. But and everyone did, wanted to go back to cubicles as soon as they could.
4: Well, I, nobody wants to see what you're looking at on the machine, probably. But, but I'm saying, it, I mean, I don't, I don't know that the, the 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 shared thought idea it's at some level is all wrong, where we can all live and never see each other. Well,
3: that's the company line. I mean, yeah. our CEO says it all the time. I, I, I can't wait till we're all back in the office. Great innovation happens when we bump into each other in the hallway or at the water cooler and, and everyone just mm-hmm. kind of chuckling under their breath like, I've been working for 20 years. I've never seen that happen once. <laughs> Where you bump into someone in the hallway and you're like, Hey, let's, let's, let's come up with a great idea together. <laughs> that's well, never, I mean, that's I, never happened.
4: Well, to go back to, you know. Maybe it happens. Well, I don't to, know. To go back to my Pullman days, when you're, when you're designing a railroad car, the idea, it, none of those engineers could ever be in the same room together, even if you sent pictures of your drawings. There's a certain, let's all walk out to the floor and see why this thing doesn't work. There, there's, there's some time you want to be alone to be able to think and do some stuff. There's some time you want to be together. And the best firms, I think, manage that the best. I mean, it, I don't think you... You don't want to be in a constant meeting all day. I agree with you. you can't, it's the worst. It's the
3: worst. You can't get anything done.
4: Yeah, but you don't also, also, everybody's not an island either. I mean, I don't know, I don't know. Every, I think, I guess my conclusion is for every firm, there's a different formula.
3: When, when I was in the office every day, I, I would just walk from meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting, internal, internal meetings, preparing for the next customer meeting. And at the end of the day, I felt like I had got nothing done. And now the fact that I can, I can hop on a quick video call for, for, for two minutes instead of sitting in, a, in an office for an hour and just having people talk just so the boss can hear him talk. Uh, cool. it, it's, it, my day is so much more productive in that regard. Now I don't disagree and I don't have a problem going to work. I'm not some guy that I, I come downtown every single day. <laughs> yeah. I'm not someone that sits at home all day, but I'm just saying, so I don't care either way. It doesn't matter to me, but this idea of like you can't get anything done unless you're, or, or people aren't oh, working I, I at home. I, I, I'm so much more productive. It's unbelievable in my personal life and in my business life. I, I my my house has never been cleaner, and I'm I'm hitting all my sales goals. Well, you got a wife that, you got a <laughs> like,
4: wife that rides hurt on you,
3: right? Well, it's just like the, the 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 two hours of my life I wasted every single day walking to a train, standing in a crowded train freezing my ass off whatever the case may be or sweating my ass off and then and then and then getting home at six thirty, and then you know walking the dog and then by the time it's seven you're finally thinking about dinner I, i'll never get that time back and well, the fact that i've had that time back in the last two years has been such a a, a great thing all right so
4: there's there's one in the plus column
3: it's 10 yeah. hours a week that's that's right. you know 40 hours a month you can do the math right, so everybody, of your life that you're getting back okay what
4: i'm saying there's one in the plus column Yet every teacher I talked to said the kids might they might as well not have done it last year. Well, I don't care about them. But I'm saying we have, we have <laughs> but we have a whole court we have a whole we got a whole court system that 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 has, has not worked with Zooms. So, I mean, it's, it, there's huge examples the I don't other care way about too. Them either. <laughs> SP Futures up seven. Russell, congratulations, buddy. Enjoy your day. Thank you. Uh, SP Futures <laughs> up uh, like seven. Nasdaq is up nineteen. Back tomorrow. Starks and Jacks.
3: What do we
0: learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir.
3: Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit hamzianalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.